Morning, Open Arms. I want to start out before I get into my message with uh, just a, some encouraging words, some things that have been happening. You know, at home we don't really know what's going on sometimes unless you're involved in things, and, and, and we can't meet together, so it's, it's kind of hard. Some people are doing some things, so I just want you to let you know that the work continues um, through Open Arms, that God is still working um, through us in many ways. Uh, one of the things is the building. The building is being put together slowly but surely. As you heard Allison and Andrew talking earlier, we're going to be, uh, next week we're going to be doing a video at the building where we're going to be answering some questions that have been asked and, and giving you um, a virtual tour of the building. So I hope you're excited about that um, as that work continues. But that, that's, that's, not even the, that's not even the good stuff. I mean, the good stuff is, is that our men's group continues to meet um, uh, consistently. Every Monday night, we have a good group of, of guys. If you're not involved in that, I encourage you to get involved. The women are meet twice a week in Bible study. Um, another great, um, uh, great work that God is doing through the women. Um, these are exciting things. The church doesn't stop just because we're not able to gather physically. And hopefully, we prayerfully, we will be able to. But, um, and, and that's not it either. You know that uh, up and coming, when this COVID restrictions lift, that we're going to be baptizing probably uh, at least four people so far um, this summer. Four, that's pretty exciting news. Baptizing four people and, and looking at membership for each and every one of them. So, so these are exciting times. These are exciting times. And, and just to put the cherry on top of this Sunday, <laughs> just to put the cherry on top of this Sunday, just last week I led somebody to Christ. Do you know what that means? Do you mean that God was celebrating with his angels in the kingdom of heaven because of uh, that's one sinner that repented? So these are exciting things that are happening at Open Arms. God does not stop working. And I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. I want to thank you, first of all, for those who are praying for us, who are praying for this work, who are ongoing with this work of what God is doing. We are doing kingdom work here. And God doesn't stop. COVID doesn't stop God. You know, I thank you for your prayers. I thank you for your giving. I thank you for supporting us as a church. You know, none of this would happen. We couldn't, uh, we couldn't continue this work without the, the financial giving. And it's not all about the financial giving, but as God has laid upon your heart to give, these, these things are possible because we are doing that. So, so for those who have been giving, I just, I just want to encourage you and I want to thank you. You're contributing to kingdom work. And, and if you're not, um, and you're part of Open Arms, I just want to encourage you, you can, you can get, still get connected through that, through prayer. Um, there's a couple ways to give, uh, through uh, our email, giving at openarms.ca, and through our webpage, we have uh, uh, ability to be able to give with a credit card. Um, uh, there, if you go to our webpage, uh, openarmsparsbro.ca. And, and if you're not, if you're not really um, wanting to, to contribute that way to open arms, that's fine. We're not here. God's gift and God's word is free. These are just those who are, have been members and want to contribute as God laid upon their heart to continue in the work. But if you're not, I don't want you to feel like you're obligated to or anything. This video, these videos and these services are for your pleasure to be able to hear what God is speaking to you. So I just wanted to encourage you with those things and, uh, and, and tell you that God is continuing to work and is using you to do that. 
So uh, continue to pray for us as we go forward. Saying that, let's get to the message that we want to talk about this morning. Let's, let's get to the, the meat of why we're here, okay? We come to worship, but we want to hear what God has to say to us, don't we? I know I do. And he's been speaking um, a lot through, through, uh, through his word to me, um, convicting me in many areas. And, and this morning, I'm hoping that he will speak to you as well. So we pray that uh, the Spirit of God would do a great work here. So, will you join me as I pray? And uh, we'll pray for God to do this work, okay? Father God, thank you. Thank you that you are willing to come um, and, and, and minister to our hearts, that you fellowship with us, that your spirit is living in us, God, and that your word um, teaches us and, and, and convicts us and, and encourages us and shows us what your truth is. And your spirit guides us in those areas. God, thank you for, for that. Thank you for your church as we gather together via online here th this morning that we are together in spirit, that we have one spirit. Thank you for that. Thank you for, for the work you've already done in so many lives as we've listened to people come to know you as Lord and Savior and want to be baptized and want to be members of this ongoing work. Thank you for that, God. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and speak to, um, through me, uh, into hearts and even myself, God, that you would do a great work here this morning. We know that it is nothing significant is done for the kingdom and unless it's done by the power of your spirit. So God, we just ask you to, um, invade our hearts this morning with truth and convict us and show us what, uh, true, um, what you truly want us to hear. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, uh, I've been doing a lot of thinking about COVID-19. Who hasn't been? I mean, that's just a, a way of life today, isn't it? It's, it's, it's about um, uh, what's going on in our life. It seems like it's, it's only been a couple of months, but it seems like it's a new lifestyle for us. It seems like something that's been ongoing. It's hard to imagine life right now without it, although we long for it. But I think back at the very beginning, and even today in some ways, in the very beginning how many people thought little of this COVID, you know. And I thought, even myself, you know, well, it's a flu. It's another flu virus, right? That was what it was like in the beginning. And not many took it that seriously. There's still many today that don't take it that seriously. They didn't take it that seriously, and, and then we watched as, as it unfolded, and it became a worldwide issue. Millions of people contracted this virus um, and, and died. And, and so when we look at this virus, we take it a lot more serious now. We look at something that was thought not much of at one time, and now we see that it's, that it's devastated the world around us and set fear in many hearts. And, and we long for reprieve in that. We long for it to be able to, to put it behind us, don't we? Well, I, I, I'm not going to talk to you today about COVID-19. You have enough of that in your life. But I am going to talk to you about another serious issue. One that we kind of belittle as well. One that we kind of put aside and, and we don't really take that seriously. Have you ever heard the expression that, uh, oh, oh what is sin? <laughs> Have you heard that? 
before? Usually we picture some uh, little old lady saying that. Uh, forgive me if you say that and you're not a little old lady. But We often use that as, a, as an expression, oh, what a sin, when the child has a dirty face or they've done something wrong or they're crying or something. Or Usually that's kind of how we use that expression. Oh, what a sin. <laughs> and, 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 and so I understand that that's not really taken seriously. And, and so it's just an expression, right? So, you know, why, why, why focus on that? Well, I think it really speaks of a greater issue in our life. I think this depicts, this depicts how we often look at sin. We kind of passively let it go by. Oftentimes, we even don't even consider the word to be anything serious. We even use it as a simple expression like that. We don't see the seriousness of it. Did you know that the seriousness of sin and the lack of understanding of its um, of its intensity and, and what it has done is is caused the church to slow in its growth and even caused individuals to slow in their growth in the church. Did you know that? Did you know that, that it still contaminates us and, and causes us um, issues in our own life, even sometimes when we don't even notice or recognize it? Did you know that? Did you know that you can look at a lot of the problems and the issues in our lives, and, and not everything that contribute to your own personal sin, but you can look at the things in your life many times, and we look at our relationship with God, and, and, and if you look deep enough, you'll find a, 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 some type of sin that's contaminated your life. Often that's the case. And so today I want you to be able to find victory. I want you to be able to find uh, something that gives you hope and, and joy in your life. I want you to be able to walk boldly for God and in Christ. I want you to be able to recognize the seriousness of this little word, this little issue, or something we consider little oftentimes. I want you to consider the seriousness of it and how we can have victory over it and how we can live in victory. Um, I've heard uh, many, many who just look at this word and, and, and they kind of let it go and they just not really think much of it. The world thinks little of the word sin. Sadly, Christians often think little of the word sin, think little of this issue, and they pass it off as something that's uncomfortable to talk about. You know, we don't want to talk about sin. You know, we, we, you know that's... that's, a, that's that's not something that really is attractive to me. Is it attractive to you? I don't, I don't want to talk about sin. It makes people uncomfortable. And besides the fact, it, it, it doesn't only make them feel uncomfortable, but some people can get offended by it. We don't want to offend. And we don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. So we stay away from the issue. And I, and I really believe that that's a big part of our problem. You know, it's like COVID-19 that many people, the, the greatest problem, and I think you'll agree with me, if you really look deeply at this virus that's, that's contaminated the whole world, the greatest problem with this virus is not even the virus itself, but it's the lack of taking it serious, isn't it? Really, I mean, that's, that's basically it. If everyone was to take it seriously, even from the very beginning to now, it would be a lot less of an issue. But because we don't take it seriously, that's the same thing with sin. 
is if we, when we don't take it seriously, it becomes a greater issue in our life. When we passively let it go by. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. We're going to start this off. I've got a few scriptures for you here uh, this morning um, that will help us get an idea of the seriousness of this and what we can do about it, okay? So, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. You see, there's, there's an issue here because the issue with sin is it causes the greatest of all devastations. It causes death. It is, it, it is a serious issue. It is, we, we don't like to think about how serious it is and we don't like to think about how harmful it is. But it is very serious and it is very harmful. And, and it is not only very serious and not only very harmful, but it is universal. It, it, it's, it's for everyone. Everyone has sinned. The Bible says, all through one man, sin has entered the world. And through one man, all have sinned. And, and, and because all have sinned, all die. That's, that's the seriousness of it. That's, that's, when it. that's when the rubber hits the road. That's the seriousness of sin. So why should we passively let something so serious just glide by in our lives? Shouldn't we take a deeper look at this? Shouldn't we consider the seriousness of it? Um, when we when we ask people what they think sin is, an often response to it is it's when we do bad things. <laughs> that's 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 usually the the response to sin uh, in some sort of manner. I mean, we uh, the wording might change, but it's basically that's how people consider sin. It's when we do bad things, right? Well, that may be true, but it's an incomplete answer. And the incomplete answer is why we need to take it more serious. Because it's not just because we do bad things. We need to understand the complete impact and the weight of sin in order to uh, and understand its source, to understand its um, eminent destructive powers. We need to understand these things. These are important. And no, the, the source of sin is not the devil. Now, the devil uses sin, but, but the source of sin is not him. He definitely encourages it. He definitely, if you, if you want to consider him the king of it, he, he definitely encourages sin. But the source of sin is a matter of the heart. Let's look back at the very beginning. Let's look at the very beginning. I, I, we're not going to go there in their scriptures. I'm just going to, I'm going to share with you a little bit of uh, um, what happened in the beginning. Adam ate from the fruit of the tree, forbidden fruit, right? And, and we don't need to get into that story because most people know the story. He ate from the forbidden fruit, and what happened? Sin entered the world. It entered through Adam. We can go there theologically, and, and, but we're not going to do that. Um, but it entered through Adam, and, and then sin entered the world. So what happened as a result of sin? Well, this... It caused a separation between mankind and God, right? We know that. We know that. It caused a separation between man and God. Really, the very essence, the, the meaning of sin describes what happened with sin. Because the meaning of sin means that we've gone away. 
We've gone astray. We've basically turned our back on God and went our own way. That's what it means. Uh, the, the middle uh, letter in sin says it all. I, <laughs> I am turning my back on you, God, and I'm going my own way. That's what sin is, right? So we are separated from the life giver. The one who, very one who gives us life, we turn away. Now, just hang in there because I, I, I'm going to get a little deeper here. I know these are just simple truths that you might understand, but I, I need to go here for you to understand this. So the middle letter in the word sin is I. <laughs> and that's what it's all about. We say, I want to be my own master. I want to rule my own life. I want to go my own way. That's what sin is is going our own way. And so it makes sense that death would be the result because we are stepping away from the life giver, the one who gives us life, right? So that's, what, that's, that's the essence of sin. That's, that's where it comes from. It comes from the depravity of our own heart. James 1.14 says this, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. You're tempted by, when you're dragged away by your own evil desire and enticed. It's not from an outside source. It's from within you that you're enticed. So that's where sin comes from. It comes from within us. Ever since Adam, sin is born in us. We don't have to, you've heard this, this, the, the story. You don't have to teach a child to say uh, yes or, or no. I mean, you don't have to teach a child to be disobedient. You don't have to teach a child to be selfish they're automatically going to be that way because that's because we have this sinful nature, the sinner word, our sinner letter, I, I. It's about me. It's about what I want. And we don't consider God. So, so sin is born, born into the world. John MacArthur puts it a little bit deeper when he says, any lack of conformity to a perfect moral standard of God is sin. Any lack of, uh, of conformity to the perfect moral standard of God is sin. That's the essence of sin. Although the devil tempts us, he does not make us sin. Sin lies at a heart, causing us to act in the way that we want to be our own master. But it's deceiving. Sin is deceiving because we are not our own master. Our own master becomes sin. <laughs> sin becomes our master. We are not our own master. That's the deception of sin. It says you can be your own master. That's the, that's the temptation of, of Satan. You can, you can have control of your own life. You can do your own life. But the Bible teaches that, that it is not. It's, it's deception because we do not have control of our own life. We are actually slaves to sin. Slaves to sin. Listen to this. John 8. Uh, John, the Gospel of John. Chapter 8. Verses 34 to 36. Listen to this. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. To who sins? We know by the previous verse. Everyone sins. <laughs> right? Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, get this. This is, this is the good news about this. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, meaning the family of God. A slave has no permanent place, but a son belongs to it forever. <laughs> so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's the promise of the gospel. 
Sin does not have to rule your life. Sin, you don't have to be a slave to sin. You can turn back to God. That's what the gospel says. I've turned away from my sin. I've turned away from going my own way. It's not about me. It's about trusting in God. That's the simple truth of the gospel, isn't it? It's not about I. It's about him. And I've been created to serve him. Bear with me. Rick Warren said this. I think he said it right. Every time we sin, we are saying... Every time we sin, we're saying, I don't trust you, God. That's the truth, isn't it? Every time we sin, even, even when we do it unconsciously, we're saying, I don't trust you, God. No, I, I'm going to go my way. That's what sin is. So we're saying that. I don't know if you really grab a hold of that before, but, but think about it. 1 John 3, 4. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. <laughs> it's lawlessness. Everyone who sins breaks the law. Sin is lawlessness. That means it goes against the very moral standards of God. It goes against God himself. So when someone says to me, someone says to me, you know, I believe that everyone understands that they're a sinner I have to say, do they really? Do they really understand that they're a sinner? Do you really understand that you're a sinner? Do you understand that, that, that sin, and could, because unless you understand that there is a perfect moral creator who has created you and me, and that our very human nature is, steps away and walks away from God and, and goes our own way, and this breaks this relationship with God between man and God, you do not understand that you're a sinner. You might think you do bad things, but you do not understand the essence of sin unless you understand that the sin itself, sin nature itself, breaks the relationship between you and God. That's what sin is. It's a separation from God. So does everyone understand that they're a sinner? If they do, they don't act like it. <laughs> and, and so that's, that's the essence of sin, okay? Uh, it, it is being what opposes God and not only opposes God, but ignores his very existence. And that's what sin is all about. So let's talk about little sins. Are there little sins? Are there little sins? There's a question I have for you. I want you to think about that for a second. Are there little sins? I've heard people say, oh, that's a little sin. Or, or act like it's a little sin. And as much as common, that's a common consideration in the everyday life. There's great sins and there's little sins. Okay? And, and we judge people who have greater sins than us, but we don't like looking at our little sins. <laughs> All right? Think about it for a minute, okay? Think about this for a minute, okay? This is really what's going to grab your heart, okay? I, I think probably everybody's going to, we're going to be able to relate to this. Think about our entertainment world. When's the last time you turned on your television? Maybe it was last night. Maybe it was this morning. When's the last time you watched a movie? How hard is it to find a movie without a bunch of ungodly language in it? Cursing and swearing. Or sexual immorality. 
or violence, blood, guts, and gore, where the evil people are now made the heroes. Sin runs rapid just in our entertainment, or the comedy becomes so unclean that it's hard to, to listen to. You know, you know the, the, this is the world's type of entertainment or the music that we listen to. And I, I, don't, want to be, I don't want you to think I'm being legalistic here because I'm not. I'm just telling you the reality of this world that is full of filth and ungodliness and sin that, that, that we fall into this trap even as Christians, as sadly even as Christians we become numb to it, that we ignore it in a world where we've contaminated our lives and we wonder why our relationship with God is not where it should be, but yet we sit there and we become numb to the things of the world, the evilness, the sin of the world, and we ignore these things and we let them pass by and we don't even acknowledge them in our lives. We don't purge them from our lives. We become conformed to the very thing. Get this. We could become conformed to the very thing that put Jesus Christ on the cross in the first place. And that breaks my heart that I could do that. And I've done it. I've conformed to it. I've listened. But you know what? I, I, I feel like we need to take a stand as the church of Jesus Christ and stand up against the things that pull us away, the very things that hung our Savior on that tree 2,000 years ago, the very things that paid my sin down in full, the very things that, that, that broke God's heart, the very things that caused Jesus Christ to have to come to the world, I will not have any taste of it, and I will not have any, any desire for it. I want to purge it from my life. I'm not saying that I won't sin. I'm just saying I do not desire it in my life, and I'm going to look to where it contaminates my life, and I want to purge it from my life, and that should be the way of the church. Because it is the very reason why we became Christians is because Christ died for that. He died and took our place for those sins. Why would we want them back in our life? Why would we want our lives contaminated with the, with the, the grossness of sin? So you might say, well, Doug, you're being kind of legalistic here. <laughs> or, or you're being kind of old-fashioned. You know, we live in a world that's full of sin. How are we going to avoid it? Unanswered, you know, I'm not. No, absolutely not. I'm not being legalistic. And I'm not being old fashioned. I'm telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says to be holy as God is holy. And I'm not saying that we won't sin. But I'm saying that we can choose to turn off the TV, we can choose to turn off the radio. We can choose not to listen to an ungodly joke, something that's unclean. We can choose to not to conform to the very things that God has died, has sent his son to die for us for. We can choose not to fall into these things because the moment we do, it starts a work in our hearts that we don't even realize. Sometimes it's so sneaky. Sin is so sneaky. It sneaks up into our hearts and we don't even know what's going on in our lives. And we think that we wonder why we're going through what we're going through. And the whole time we've allowed little smidges and little pieces of sin in our lives that, we've, that, that uh, contaminate our lives and break our fellowship with God in a way that causes us to wonder why we're not so close as what we once were. And I'm not just talking about TV or radio. I'm talking about a lifestyle. I'm talking about the words you use. I'm talking about the time you spend with God. I'm talking about the fellowship. I'm talking about gossip. I'm talking about all those things. Even a smidge and a hint of sin in your life can cause 
a division in your heart between you and God. I don't say for a Christian it separates you, but it certainly hinders your walk with him. I promise you that. I've experienced it. And I know you have too. And I know you've got to be real here. I know that you've you got to be real here. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, he, said, he gives a scenario. He said, what if, what if in, in the Garden of Eden, what if Adam was told that he could eat from one tree, but he couldn't eat from all the other trees? But he decided he was going to go and, and, and get his basket, and he's going to load up on all this other fruit. And he goes in and he gathers up all this other fruit, the fruit that he's not supposed to have, and, and you know, maybe a little bit of the tree he's supposed to have too, and he comes out of the garden. Do you think the results of sin would be any less or more? It couldn't be any more. There's a separation from God. You know, we look at the sin of Adam today in our culture in our day, even in the church, we would look at the sin, sin of Adam as being a little sin. Oh, it's a state of fruit. That's how we would look at it. We wouldn't consider it. We wouldn't consider that it is, is a, sin is an abomination to God. God says, you've turned your back on me and you've gone your own way. It doesn't matter where you've gone your own way. You've gone your own way. You've sinned against the holy God. That's how serious sin is. Did you know, did you know that the smallest of sin, the smallest of sin will send you to the pits of hell without Christ? The smallest of sin. The, the rebellion against God is the smallest of sin and it will send you to hell. That's how serious sin is. So does it matter how big or little, little it is? It's sin. It's rebellion against God. And I know this is not something we want to hear and, 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 and you're tempted to shut off and say, listen, I, I don't want to hear this. But I want to tell you, unless we take sin seriously, we will not be effective in the world like we need to be effective in the world and we will not experience the gift of God has in our, for us in our walk with him. We will not experience the joy and the victory we need in our lives in our walk with him unless we look at sin and say, no, that's rebellion against God and Christ died for that. And I will not have anything to do with it. Now, I understand that, that we still sin and I'm, I'm not saying that we would lose our salvation. I'm just saying that these things are, by the power of God, we, we make a choice. By the Spirit and the power of God, God says, you can make a choice. You can choose to follow me, and I'll give you the strength to endure. I'll allow you the place to be able to resist temptation. I'll give you the, the way out. But, but understand this. What is the desire of your heart? Are you allowing this filth in your, stuff in your life? What are you allowing in your life that breaks this, this intimacy that I have with you? What are you allowing in my life? What are you allowing in your life? Get this. I'm going to explain it uh, here in a moment. I, I kind of get a little bit off my notes, believe it or not. Uh, small sins never say stay small. Did you know that? We may think the small sins, but when we become numb to them, I remember I was sharing with the guys a little earlier. I remember when I was a brand new believer in Christ and I had this, this uh, kind of a, a sensitivity to sin. I didn't, I didn't like it, but I would allow a little bit of it in and slowly it become numb to me and you lose that intimacy. And why do you lose that intimacy with God? 
You know, not that you can't have it back. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying it, it, it creates a, 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 a lull, a, a dullness into intimacy with God. It does. It creates a, a dullness. It's like this. It's like a, a, a slow erosion in your life. You know, when I was a kid, I, li- I lived in Port Graville. And uh, we'd go to the beach all the time. And at that time, I don't know if you're familiar with the beach at that time, the, the whole beach was full of cottages. And we'd watch and we'd play on the beach and every, all summer long. We'd watch as the, as the tides would get higher and higher and more of the beach would get washed away. And then one day we had a big storm. And pretty much every cottage in that one storm got washed out into the bay. But it didn't happen all at once, really. It looked like it happened all at once, but it didn't happen all at once. It happened slowly. You know, this last spring, I seen the last cottage get washed away. The Wilsons, uh, um, brothers and sisters in Christ, own it. And, uh, and it, I watched it as, as it went out. You probably see a video of it. As it went out into the water, got washed away. That's what sin does, right? It starts out small, and it's insignificant. We watch the coastline around Nova Scotia slowly erode away, and every once in a while, we'll see a big chunk fall off. <laughs> that's, that's what sin does. You, you allow a little bit of it in your life, and no one ever falls away from God all at once. No one just falls away from God. It's something that has been working and working and working and allowing a little bit of it in your life at a time. And if you allow a little bit of sin in your life at a time, it becomes something that erodes and erodes and erodes. And eventually you step away from God. And I just want to warn you right now, as a believer and a brother in Christ, that you need to pay attention even to the little sins of your life. You know, most forest fires don't start from a big flame. They start from a little spark. A little spark. The wind catches that little spark, and before you know it, a forest is devastated. That's what sin does. It's small and insignificant to you in the beginning, and it may seem like nothing, but it erodes at your spiritual life and it erodes at your relationship with God. And church, we need to wake up. We need to wake up and take it more seriously. We need to wake up and not passively let it go by and think, oh, well, it's just little, and everybody knows that they're sinners because that's not how it works, and that's not what the Bible teaches. I'm not talking about legalism here. I'm talking about our relationship with God and our effectiveness in the world. I'm talking about what the Bible teaches, that as the believers in Jesus Christ and our witness to the world, if we, if we are not serious about, about sin, then the world will not take it serious either. It won't. They'll look at it like it's something small. They will not see the need for a Redeemer. They will not see how the very sin in our lives is the very thing that, that separated us from a holy God. If we do not start with that, we do not have the gospel. If we do not start with sin, if we do not recognize it, if we do not begin with it, then we do not have the need for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see how Satan works? He'll make it offensive. He'll make it, oh, I don't want to talk about that. Oh, they already know they're just sinners. They don't need that. They don't need to talk about that. I'm not talking about going around and telling everybody that they're sinners, but I'm talking about telling people that the very sin in their life and what it means creates a divide between them and a holy God. And it needs to be addressed. And it needs to be taken seriously. And I could tell you exactly what you want to hear. Maybe this isn't it. But I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. That the church needs to take sin seriously 
And the world needs to take sin seriously because it's what divides us against the holy God. And if this is my last day on earth, this is exactly what I know every single person needs to hear. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down to you like this. Without recognizing how sin, we do not recognize the depravity in one's heart. We do not recognize the depravity of one's heart. If we do not recognize sin in our lives, we do not recognize the depravity of our hearts. And without recognizing the depravity of our hearts, we have no deep sorrow of the divide between us and a holy God. If you do not recognize the depravity in your heart, if you do not recognize that sin is, a, is going your own way and separates you from God, you have no sorrow over that. You have no sorrow of the broken relationship between you and God. It's a godly sorrow. And if you do not have any sorrow in your heart over the sin that causes division in your heart, if you do not have no sorrow, you have no need to repent. If you have no broken sorrow between your relationship, you and God, because of your sin, then you have no reason to repent. Repent is turning from going your own way back to God. And it's a matter of your heart. So if you do not understand sin, you do not understand the depravity of sin, you do not understand the broken relationship of sin, you do not have a sorrowful heart, you have no need to, to repent and turn back to God. You see how this is all coming together? And if you do not have a true uh, understanding or a need that you need to repent, if you have not repented and, and you do not understand that you need to turn back to God, you, you are lacking the understanding of why Christ had to die on the cross in the first place. If you do not understand these things leading up to that, you do not have a sorrowful heart, you do not have a broken heart because your relationship between God and you has been broken because of sin, you do not repent, you do not turn and go back to God, you do not, if you do not repent, you do not have an understanding of what it means for Christ to die upon the cross and why he had to do it. You don't. You can't. Unless you understand, first of all, you understand sin. And what it is in your life. And if you do not understand that, then you, then you do not understand the joy and the, and, the, and the victory that you have in Christ. And you do not understand that he has paid your sin down in full. And you do not understand that your relationship with God has been restored because what separated you from a holy God, what created sorrow in your heart because of a holy God, what caused you to repent, Jesus Christ is taken care of and the victory is bought upon the cross and you can have eternal victory, you can have joy in your life and if you have joy in your life, then you are devoted to Christ and you serve him and you love him and you seek to honor him and you live a life of thankfulness and gratefulness, not of a legalism, but out of the understanding, first of all, that you are a sinner in need of a savior. Make sense? I hope that it does. I hope that it does because this is why we need to understand what sin is. I believe that many in the church, even in the church, have an intellectual understanding of what sin is. It's a bad thing that I do. But does it break your heart? Do you have sorrow in your heart because you've been separated from a holy God? Is a matter of here or a matter of here? Do you understand the depravity of sin and how it separated you from a holy God and how you need a savior? There's a difference. One is legalistic. 
not what I'm teaching you. But to understand it here and not here, it means that you're living a life of obedience because you understand it, but you don't understand it personally. Sin in our lives is a conscious turning away. It makes us enemies of God. (laughs) They say that, I'm not saying that we can stop sinning. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that our desire to stop sinning and to recognize it and the desire to purge it from our lives is so important. To live according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. The Bible says that to live according to the flesh is death, but to live according to the Spirit is life. This is how serious Jesus took it. You ready? This is how serious Jesus took it. Now, I know this is just a, uh, just an illustration, but think about the seriousness of the illustration he uses here. Matthew chapter 5. If you want to turn your Bibles there, you can. I'll give you a second. Matthew chapter 5, verse 29. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. How serious is is sin? That serious. Jesus Jesus wants his listeners to understand how serious it is. It's a rebellion against the holy God and it's what drove him to the cross. It is is not sin our enemy now. The devil, the devil loves to tempt us with sin because he hates God. And when we sin, we join him in our rebellion against God. <laughs> that breaks my heart, and I hope it breaks yours. But we have a Redeemer who lives, okay? I, don't, I, don't I want to qualify that. If we've trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Bible is clear that, that when, when we do sin, we have a Redeemer. We have a Savior. It's just we don't desire to have it in our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. We don't desire to have it in our lives, and we want to rid ourselves of it. You know, Lillian and I, one of our favorite verses together has been Philippians uh, 4, 8, and 9. Um, and I think it's because it speaks the opposite of, of what I'm talking about. It's the opposite of sin, okay? And, and not that we're holier and down. We've got it all straightened out. I mean, it's been a couple minutes with this, and you know differently. But... but but listen to this. Many of you are familiar with this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me and seen in me, put it to practice. And the God of peace will be with you. You see, this, this, this contradicts sin. Whatever is lovely. So what does it mean? That after we give our hearts to Christ, we're all free from sinning? No, we're just free from the punishment of sin. But I'm saying, Christian believers, I'm not saying that we earn our salvation by not sinning. We can't do that. I'm saying that the very reason why Christ died is to pay our sin debt in full. And if he died, if God was, went to such an extreme to, to save us from sin, why would we want anything to do with the very thing 
to put our Savior on the cross, even the smidget of it, even the smallness of it. And when we do sin, we, we, we repent, we, we confess to God, Lord, I don't like that in my life. We've become so sensitive to us, to it, that when we do, we come to our God and say, God, I don't want that in my life because it is rebellion against you, and I want my life to belong to you. That's how we come to Christ, and that's how we live for Christ. If we want the church to be effective in this world, then we need to take sin seriously. If you want to be saved, you need to take sin seriously. If you want to live a life of, uh, to, for God and, and, and honor him and to glorify him, then you need to take sin seriously. All sin. All sin. But remember that when we do, when we do, we look at the Savior, we look at the cross, and we can be set free from this awful thing that's caused division between us and God because Christ paid for it. That's how serious it is. 1 John 1, 5, verse 1, 5, 5 to 10. This is a message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light and he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Maybe you've been listening and you're not trusted. You have not yet trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you're weighted down by guilt and shame. And you know that you're a sinner. And you're thinking that you've got to get your ducks in a row, as my friend Dennis would say. You've got to get your life straightened out first. That's not the case. What you need to do is recognize that your sin separates you from a holy God. And recognize that because your sin separates you from a holy God, you, your desire is to be restored back to relationship with him. So you look at God and you, and you look at the world and you look at the sin in your life and you say, God, I choose you. And you look at the cross and say, I, I, I believe that Christ died upon the cross to pay that sin debt in full. When you look at that cross and understand that he paid for the very thing that causes the guilt and the shame and the weight in your life, the brokenness in your life, when he paid that sin debt in full, you realize that, that you are set free because of your faith in his work done upon the cross. That is the gospel. Ask him to be your savior. Trust in him to be your Lord. Stop going your own way and turn to him. And he will set you free. He's the one who will empower you to live a life for him. You don't do that on your own. So will you do, would you do that? Would you trust in him? Church, will you take seriously more sin? You know, Charles Spurgeon said uh, one, uh, one thing. He said, all godly men, all go good, good, great godly men, 
had a, I, I'm not quoting him exactly, but had a, um, had a, a hate for sin or a fear for sin. That's what it was. Had a fear for sin. If you want to live a godly life, have a fear of sin. Have a hate for it and have a despise for it. Seek to live a holy life for a mighty God. Living for him is the answer and the key. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you. Thank you for these, the realization of, of how serious this is in my own heart. And God, help me to live a godly life. Help me to, to purge the sin from my life. Help me to honor you and to bring glory to your name. God, I, I pray, Lord, that you will speak to your church and we'll take sins far more seriously in this world and we'll seek to live a godly life as, a, as your church and we will represent you well in this world. I pray for those who have not received you as Lord and Savior that they will see that your, your sacrifice upon the cross paid their sin debt in full and they could be set free by just faith in you, what you've done for them. God, I pray that you bless each and every one as they go their own way. May you be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Zoom us, join us for Zoom here in a, in, a, in a few minutes, okay, for coffee. We can talk about some of these things if you want or not. Maybe you've had enough of it. Anyways, take care.